great to have you with us. Merry Christmas. At, uh, yeah, monkey bars. I was up till midnight in the rain last night <laughs> building monkey bars. It's, uh, a few years ago it was a trampoline and now it's monkey bars. Still very much in that phase of life. Was that thanks, Daddy? Yeah, good on your band. Well done. Uh, well, I'm assuming everyone's eating tiramisu for lunch today or dessert tonight because I went to the shop yesterday to try and find mascarpone cheese and there was no mascarpone cheese anywhere within Kui. And so I'm looking at all of you people eating tiramisu today. Um, I'm coming to your house. All was resolved because I learned that you can uh, actually make your own mascarpone with a mix of cream and, and cream cheese. Did you know that? There you go. You can thank me later. Merry Christmas. That is my gift to you. You can make your own if the shops run out. Uh, well, it's good. My name's Dave. Uh, if I haven't met you, and I uh, hope I get the pleasure to, so make yourself known before you skedaddle off to uh, Christmas lunch, because I would love to hear about what you're eating, uh, because food is good, and I get excited by food. Uh, well, I've got some good news that I want to share with you this morning. Who's up for some good news? You want some good news? Because it seems whichever way that you consume your new, new, news, news these days, whichever channel that you're on, whichever platform that you're using, whichever feeds or threads or reels or shorts, it seems like the news that is coming at us is always bad news. You never see a reporter standing in a country at peace reporting that there is no war in that nation. You don't see reporters cruising about in their shorts and thongs when it's a bluebird, beautiful day. You don't see news reports of the bushland that's not on fire, and you don't, certainly don't see reports of the politician that made a good decision. The never-ending news cycle that's only a reach into your pocket away is perpetually bad news. I mean, we, we could all open our phones now and we would see the horrors and stories of war. Cyclones, floods, fires, interest rate rises, cost of living pressures, violence, corruption, cultural and racial division, misconduct of people in power, organisations that have failed in their responsibility and their duties for safety and care of all people. I mean, every glance at a screen or turn of a newspaper, it seems like bad news is everywhere. I mean, the term good news almost sounds like an oxymoron. Is there such a thing as good news? I mean, the constant natter of bad news as it chirps away at every angle in our lives. It takes its toll on us. Now the constant barrage of bad news makes us more afraid. The constant natter of bad news is making us more outraged and angry. And we see this especially online, which is widening chasms of division among people. Endless bad news is making us more anxious than ever. And the systems that we are a part of, more anxious than ever. 
Bad news produces fear and outrage and anger and division and anxiety. You know, if we ever needed news, that is truly good news. Now is that time. And not just the tokenistic good news that's tacked on to the end like they do on the news bulletins where they'll have all this bad stuff and then they'll show the images right at the very end of the the cute, fluffy panda that was born at the zoo that they called Freckles just to make you feel good after all of the bad stuff. What our world needs, what our hearts need, what my heart needs is news that cuts through fear. We need good news that will cut through the division that we experience and see in our communities. We need news that will cut through the outrage and the anxiety. We need good news that will bring true life. We need good news that will speak joy to our hearts. We need news that will lead us to wholeness. We need news that will declare peace in our hearts and in our world. And the good news is that the good news is here, that the good news exists, and we come to celebrate the good news today. And so if you have your Bible handy, feel free to crack it open to Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 1 to 20. If you're new to the Bible, it's uh, the big number 2 and the little number 1 and the little number 20, and everything in between there, we're going to be having a Gary Jack at this morning. And it'll be on the screen if you haven't, um, if you haven't got it in front of you. Now, before we do that, I'm going to just pray as we dive into God's Word. Father, we thank you that good news is here. We celebrate your birth. We celebrate the fact that you are present with us today, um, that this isn't just a historical story that we hang our hats on and have a great time on uh, at, at, in December. Uh, But Father, this is a story of truth that brings light and hope to the world. And we pray as we look at that truth and that story this morning, that our hearts would experience and see that light and receive that joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to read to you, look to 1 to 20, and um, follow along however you would like. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were filled with great fear. I mean, put yourself in their shoes as if you wouldn't be. Out tending to the sheep, an angel turns up. The glory of the Lord shines around. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
You know, this, this moment that's about to come, this is the great reveal. This is the, the opening of the curtains. This is the, the big announcement. This, if you like, was, um, if there was ever a drum roll moment, please. This was it. What the angel was about to declare in this encounter with the shepherds. In fact, let's have a drum roll now. Three, two, one. this was it. For unto you born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising and saying, to God, uh, to, and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary, she treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord and the good news of his coming to us. You know, this moment that Luke is retelling is the very moment that God decisively and purposefully became incarnate in the world. He entered into the human story, coming as a baby. This is the moment that God, who breathed the stars and the seas into being, drew his first breath as a baby boy in this world. This is the moment that God, who knits people together in their mother's womb, arrived himself as the fruit of a young mum's womb. This is the moment that God opened his eyes to his very own world that he had created. This is the moment that he cried real newborn tears, the moment that God who provides for and sustains all of life depended helplessly upon the provision and the sustenance of an earthly mother's breast. This moment is the fulfillment of what our kids so eloquently brought some 700 years earlier when Isaiah prophesied, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And it is here in a manger, not in a palace, or not in a castle, not in a private birthing suite at St. George Private Hospital, not with a red carpet rolled out in front of him, that the wonderful counsellor, that the almighty God, the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace was born into the human story. He came not in a remote barn in a field somewhere far off, but into a regular home with noise and with people and with animals about. He was not born into the courts of status, nor into the courts of power, 
but in the humble comfort of a bed made of hay. That God would enter the world in such a way is so telling of his coming in the first place. See, embedded in the Christmas story is the wonderful news that God came to be near to us. That God came to understand us. That he came to hear us and he came to know us. To see like we see. He came into the world in this way so he would hurt like we hurt and he would eat like we eat and explore like we explore and work like we work. To be tempted like we are tempted. He came to save us, to forgive us, to restore us, to heal us, to call us into being agents of his love, declaring peace to the world around us. There is no end to the good news that God came to us through his son, Jesus, that we would be known, be seen, be forgiven, be set free, be made right, be made holy, and be loved by him. Now, the good news is like a, a diamond. You know, if you are to hold a diamond up to the light, you see so many of its facets. No matter which way you look at it, the story of God sending his son, Jesus, God becoming man radiates the glory and goodness of God regardless of which angle you look at it. And so for the next five minutes as we finish up, I want to speak to just one facet of the good news found in Jesus. When I say five, I mean ten. For those who regularly <laughs> attend Kingsway, uh, you'll know that you'll get uh, double for your money. <laughs> uh. And here it is, and it, it is this, that Jesus came to bring peace. I mean, we know this, right? We sing about it. It's plastered all over the Christmas cards that you've bought for your family. It's in lights on people's balconies. I mean, if, if, if heaven had a, a, a marketing department, peace would be the unique selling proposition, the USP, that that is what we're in the business of doing, peace. But instantly, this begs the question, though, has it worked? As we look around the world, it's perhaps a logical conclusion to say, no, it hasn't. This God entering into humanity project to deliver peace seems a little bit benign in this regard. I mean, in the 2,000 years since the Prince of Peace was born into the world... There has been incredible unrest in the world, perhaps some of the worst that humanity has ever seen. And the world has seen the horrors of war impact every nation and tribe on earth, whether it has been infighting between nations and states or full-blown world wars. Horrors and atrocities that have been repeated time and time again, which even right now, our Palestinian and Israeli brothers and sisters are facing atrocities that words I cannot find to even utter to describe the depth of despair and grief and deep anguish that they are facing and enduring. And for people like that right across our world who are suffering the Christmas, this Christmas time in many regards is the antonym of peace, not the presence of it. Yet here's a challenging reality. 
Jesus did not come to primarily bring international or political peace. We see this from Jesus himself and Luke, who we're reading at the moment, he is the one that records it. In Luke 21, the disciples are asking Jesus, what will be the signs of the end of the age? How will we know when you're returning and when all of this is coming to an end? And Jesus' reply was, when you hear of wars and revolutions, see to it that you are not surprised. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. This is Jesus saying, you should never expect warfare to cease. In fact, it will probably get worse. This is, this is Jesus saying in a way that international and political peace is not to be the expected result of my birth. Now hear me, this is not to say that Christians aren't to be seeking peace between individuals and nations and in our communities. Jesus tells us to do just that when he says, blessed are the peacemakers. The Christian work is to make peace to bring people together, to reconcile people and communities and all things broken in the world. But the peace that the angels are talking about, that Jesus came to bring, that the New Testament speaks of, that Luke writes about, is not primarily international or political peace. So if it's not that then, maybe it's a more inward peace. You know, an emotional or psychological peace. You know, the fact that people haven't been able to explain why wars haven't ceased and why world peace hasn't happened yet, maybe they say, well, Jesus came to bring a, 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 an internal a spiritual kind of peace, an internal equilibrium or a perfect sense of poise or a, a placidity of spirit where we, we, if we have Jesus, peace will just meander through this life with a zen-likeness that we just face all of our situations that are difficult or the, you know, all of the ones in between with an uninterruptible smile on our dial and it's all just beautiful. Maybe that's the kind of peace. But again, Jesus dispels this misplaced expectation about the peace he came to bring when he said to the disciples in Luke 12, do you think that I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. I mean, that's a confusing statement by Jesus. They will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Jesus here is reminding the disciples that the gospel is actually rattling. That when Jesus takes root in the human heart, there is a holy agitation, a, a reworking internally of worldviews, a changing of assumptions, a realigning of priorities, a work of heart formation that requires letting go of certain ways of being, certain ways of thinking, certain ways of acting in our world. It's both beautiful and messy. It's confronting yet wonderful in what that kind of work produces. So it's not to say that there isn't an inner peace that Jesus gives us. He does. Paul especially speaks of the peace of Christ, which transcends our understanding, a peace in Jesus that guards our hearts and our minds. In Colossians, he implores us uh, to allow the peace of Christ to reign in your heart. The question then is, if it's not these kinds of peace, then what is it? 
if it's not international or political peace, if it's not just this Zen-like state where we move through the world and nothing phases us kind of peace, then what is it? It's this, it's peace with God. This is why the Prince of Peace came. That you and I would have a deep sense of peace with our loving Father who has given us His all to know us, to love us, to welcome us home, to place us in a family, to give us a new name. Peace with God. In the previous chapter, Luke records the words of Zechariah as he prophesied about his son John the Baptist and what he would uh, do because, uh, and, and what Jesus would do. And it's this, because of his tender mercy, this is about Jesus, to bring salvation to people in the forgiveness of their sins, to give light to all who sit in darkness and to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, there's perhaps no better summary of the peace that Jesus came to bring in the carol that we sing. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. In the Apostle Paul in Romans 5, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified, since we have been made right, since we've been made right with God, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, as in through Jesus, because of Christmas, we are people of Christmas, we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. This is why we sing carols. This is why Christmas is a time for us to lay aside all else and come with joy at what God has done by giving us access into His grace in which we now stand. Friends, the good news is that there is nothing that we can do to earn our peace with God. That is the territory of religion. To try harder, to be better, to do more, to behave in a certain way or be a certain way before you are welcomed in. The word of God is clear. It's by faith alone in Jesus and by faith in what he has done for us that we are made right with God and welcomed into a new and right relationship with Him. I mean, that is ultimate peace, resting in the truth that God has made a way and has come to us, that it's not on us to make a way to Him. That is where peace lies, in the full awareness that we have a God in heaven who literally has moved heaven and earth and brought his son into the human story to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve, to rise again and kick death in the pants, suppressing all of his enemies once and for all, that we would know him. True peace lies in the reality that no amount of striving, no amount of effort, no amount of money, 
no amount of knowledge, no amount of status or power or good works or giving to charity or chucking the coins in the bucket at church or volunteering. None of that makes us new or right with God. It is only by his grace poured out for us in his son, Jesus. So friends, the good news is that Jesus, the one who we celebrate today, is our peace. He is the one through whom we come to know true life, to know true forgiveness for our sins, to know true healing for our broken bodies, to become the new people that God wants us to become, reshaped and repurposed in this life, that we would be the ones that go and speak of his peace, we're the ones who share his love, that like the gifts that the kids were meant to give away but did a sneaky little insider trading, that that is what we are called to do with the peace that reigns in our hearts through the grace of God, is to go and speak that forward and be peacemakers in our world. I'll invite the band to come up. I said 10 minutes and that was spot on 10 minutes. But then I said 10. Let's stand. You know, today we celebrate the truth that, and I paraphrase a little bit, unto us, Jesus, our Savior, is here in the city of peace. Where he reigns, there is peace. And I have faith to believe that he is here. The Bible tells us that he is here. He is among us. Where there are more than two or three of us gathered, he's here and he came to the city of peace and I believe that peace reigns here in our hearts. And we know it's him because of his humility. We see it in how he came in a manger among the animals. Without pomp and fanfare and all of the hullabaloo that goes with that. And today we stand with the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and peace right here, and peace right now on earth, not just a peace for eternity, not just peace for the one day when Jesus returns, but there is promise in the Bible, in the fact that Jesus is among us and extends a welcome hand to us to say, come to me, I have made a way for us to know true peace this morning. It is the miracle and the good news of Christmas that God has come near to us. And I want to pray that we would experience God's peace rest in our hearts just now before we sing our last song and get out of here for lunch. Because I know that there is unrested hearts. I, I appreciate and understand and experience it myself. Unrested minds and busyness and chaos and grief and all of the things that life throws at us often unexpectedly. And we don't see the net effect on those things until we have the time to stop. Or maybe we don't stop and we end up in a, in a piled up heap of a mess going, God, how did I end up here? But I believe that the Christmas story is the, the blueprint of God's activity in the life that he comes to you. And that right now he is here. And if you are searching for peace, looking for peace, it is a gift for you in Jesus. And just say, welcome, just welcome him into your life. Jesus, I welcome you into my life. And he will be there. He is there. 
So let me pray for us this morning. Father, I pray into all of the things in our hearts that don't feel rested and doesn't feel like peace reigns. Father, I pray that the truth of the Christmas story, that God came to make a home among us and with us, would reign in our hearts. That we would know that it is only through you that you make us right with the Father and that we rest entirely on your goodness and your grace and not on our smarts, not on our effort, not on the fact that we turned up to church on Christmas Day Monday. We rest on the truth that you love us and that you have given us, you, given us your all that we would be at peace with you and at peace with our world and at peace with one another. And so, Father, I ask that the good news would reign among us that we would take it forward from here, knowing that you are with us and that you are here. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.